0: You might see our, our, our message title today is, uh, You're a Baby. And um, that can be said in, in two different ways. Uh, on one hand, we might actually be holding an infant a baby, and, and we might say, oh, you're a baby. And sometimes we embarrass ourselves and we begin to talk, oh, you're the cutest little baby, and i just love to hold you, and you... Maybe you don't do that, but I do that, okay? And you you embarrass yourself in the way that you talk and do baby talk with a baby. And it's pretty cool to just say you're a baby and rejoice in that fact. On the other hand, we might say to someone that's older, you're a baby. And we don't say that embarrassing ourselves. We almost say that to embarrass them. I mean, they they act in such a childish way that finally you say to them, you're just acting like a big baby. And, and, And so it can be used in both ways. And when it comes to our mission, I want to remind you of our mission, which is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And and here's the way it goes. It has to do with being a baby. It it starts when someone becomes a Christian, they're a a spiritual infant. Uh, The Apostle Peter says, you know, if you're an infant in Christ, a babe in Christ, he actually calls in 1 Peter chapter 1, desire the pure milk of the Word. So he he uses the term baby in a very positive way. But on the other hand, we don't want to stay spiritual infants. What we want to do is grow into what I would call today spiritual parents. That we go from a point of us being a baby to we're the people who help produce and raise the babies. Now, let's think about that for a second. If you have your Bible, open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul talks about being a spiritual parent. Paul talks about being a mother. He talks about being a father. Some of you single moms and dads here, you understand what it's like to play both of those roles. And when it came to the church at Thessalonica, Paul obviously feels like he played both of those roles. Uh, look, first of all, with me, in verse, um, verse 7. Uh, surely you remember, uh, brothers and sisters... Our toil and hardship, we work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone. You go back to verse 6. But as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. Isn't that an interesting analogy? As a nursing mother, I don't really know what Paul understood about being a nursing mother. He must have thought he understood something about it. He said, I love you guys so much. I was like a nursing mother among you. As we care for you because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Spiritual parenting is not just about the dissemination of truth. It's about living truth out in the midst of someone. And then later Paul talks about being a father. Look down a little further. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What's Paul saying? I was a, like a spiritual parent ab- among you. Like a mother and a father. So here's some things if you're taking notes I'd like you to write down that I think we really must understand this morning. If we're going to fulfill the mission that God has given us to the church. Number one, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. We, we need to say that. There's nothing wrong with being a spiritual infant. In fact, that's what the Bible says. How someone starts. You know, one of the greatest impediments to people coming to Christ is this notion we have that I need to get my life together and then I'm going to become a Christian. I I need to stop some things, start some things, be in better shape than I am, and then I'll surrender my life to Jesus. The problem with that thinking, you know this, is that you never get there because you don't have the power of God to change you. And that's what the Bible is very comfortable saying. When you come to Christ, you're a baby, and that's a good thing. You see, the problem is when we expect a baby to be an adult, we shouldn't expect a young Christian to speak like us, act like us, understand things exactly the way we understand things. They're a baby. In, In the first century, when someone was baptized into Christ, they had a really, really cool tradition is that when they came out of the water, they would robe them in a white robe to symbolize they were cleansed. And then they would give them a glass of milk to drink to symbolize they were a baby. I love that. It's okay to be a baby. Now, I used to have a, a friend in Tuscaloosa named Jack Burkhalter. And any time Jack baptized someone, he would take them to the second floor of DCH Hospital where all the babies were. And he would take them up there and he would point to the babies and say, that's who you are in Christ. That's okay. And so today, if if you're contemplating becoming a Christian, I want you to know, God doesn't expect you to be full grown. He doesn't expect you to have it together. He will expect you to be a baby. You will make a lot of messes, and that's okay. So there's nothing wrong with being a baby. But on the other hand, there is something wrong with staying a baby. We are expected to mature and grow up. I mean, look look at another passage with me, if you would. Turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, where there's a group of Christians who, you know, the writer here is saying, you know, you need to grow up by now. Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 11. Uh, The writer says here, we have much to say about this, but it's so hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And listen to what he says, verse 12. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over. You need milk, not solid food. You know, for a baby, he says, you desire milk. That's good. But there's a point where there's an expectation that you move off the milk onto the meat. He says, and you guys are still so immature, you're still on the milk and I can't even give you solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Yes, my friends, there's something wrong with staying a baby. There is an expectation that you and I, that we grow. I mean, you understand that. When someone's a baby, it's, it's okay. I was talking to both my daughters on the phone yesterday about our, our, our you know, one-year-old grandson. And I, I was talking to uh, Lindsay about George, and she was telling me the latest things that George does. And he, what he does is, she said, Dad, he's been walking around the house all day long just saying, No, 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 which he needs to hear. The, the shame is he doesn't understand what he's saying, but um, th- that, that's the way he's walking around the house. And then I uh, talking to Laura about Taze and she said, Dad, Taze has now learned how to, to turn a doorknob and so now we're having to get those plastic things over because we can't keep him controlled there. And and Taze is sort of my emotional child. He is definitely Laura's son. And um <laughs> and, and Taze, you know, if you watch him, he comes and you're with him and somebody he really cares about walks out of the room, either his mother or his grandbuddy, yes. Uh and, and they walk, he just puts his head on the ground and just weeps just weeks it's just like come on man what are you doing but he's a baby that's okay but if you were to say to me let's say you're visiting here today and you come back four four years from now and you say buddy last time I was here you talked about your grandsons tell me a little bit about how they're doing I said well they're in kindergarten now and you say well how are they doing there I said well George just walks around the room all day no 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 <laughs> You, you go, my goodness, there's a problem. And when Taze doesn't like what the teacher's doing, he just puts his head on the floor and weeps. You'd get in the car, you'd say, that poor preacher and his kids, my goodness. That's the same story she told four years ago. They're in kindergarten. They, they, you see, there's an expectation they grow. We have a word for this when we don't grow. We say we're suffering from arrested development. We're not going, well, growing the way we ought to. And guys, spiritually, yes, it's okay to be a baby, but there's an expectation in Scripture that we are to grow up in the Lord and we are to become more mature. It's great to have immaturity among us, but it's not good for us to stay immature. And and that that bothers me because sometimes I'm okay with treating a baby like a baby. You know, we got young Christians among us. That's cool. But I think there is a problem when we got to beg, coddle people to do good things who've been in the Lord for 5, 10, 20 years. And we talk to them like, they're, would, would you please, would you please stay for Bible class? We'd really like to get you in a small group. I know you're married, but we would love for you to come to this marriage seminar. We're going to email you. We're going to send you a postcard. Man, we are going to beg you everything. Please, please. Uh, It's absurd the way sometimes we coddle people, and I'm okay with coddling babies, but there's a problem when some of us have been in the Lord for a while. Would you please start reading your Bible? Would you have a prayer time every day? There's a problem when we continually coddle people who need to be mature enough to say, you don't have to beg me to do what is good for me. I want to grow up. Because there's some of us that have been Christians too long, and we're still acting like babies. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and they're so divided, they're all fighting with each other, he says, you guys are acting like mere infants. And for some of us, we need to know that. So here's our, our third point, and here's the important point of today's message. Our joy is to help each other grow up. That's our joy. And when I first wrote this message out, a couple of days ago, I wrote, our job is to help each other grow up. I thought, no, no, no. That's not a good word. It's not a job. It is a joy. The apostle John says in 3 John verse 4, my greatest joy is to see my children walking in the truth. John is a spiritual parent. He says, what brings me more joy than anything else is to see God's children walking in the truth of God's Word. You know, as parents, it's exciting for us to see our children grow up. When we were growing up on Delray Parkway, my mom, behind the laundry room door, kept a wall where she would mark our height and date it. And there was something so exciting about going in there every few months and seeing how you'd grown up. We love that. When our children are young, we celebrate the first time they have a birthday. We celebrate their first steps. We celebrate their first words. We celebrate their graduation. We, we celebrate those steps along the way. And it's, it's, it's full of great joy. And as a spiritual family, what we need to learn to get joy from is when, when we celebrate when someone is baptized. We celebrate when they start having that meaningful intimacy with God in quiet time. We celebrate when they join a small group. We celebrate when they begin to show the character qualities of Jesus Christ. We got to celebrate that. And I'm telling you, guys, there should be no greater joy than when we're getting together, we're helping each other grow up. And so we gather on Sunday, and you look across the aisle, and you see a young Christian, you know, who just recently embraced the Lord, man, and it fires you up. Or you look across the aisle, and you see a mature Christian, you know, who's light years ahead of you spiritually, who's an example to you. Or you see someone who was on this front row a few weeks ago confessing they've got a problem with their language and their language is clearing up. And we we rejoice over those things. We celebrate those things because we're part of a family. And every step forward, we celebrate. Because that's why it's so important that the church is intergenerational. Not just age-wise, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritual maturity-wise. You know, you go to some churches, and it's just a bunch of immature people who've just become Christians. That's very dangerous because they don't have the role models. They don't have the examples. In in, in the church, often, if it doesn't become more intergenerational spiritually, those people are going to stay where they are because there's nobody to mentor them, to mold them, to nurture them. On the other hand, probably more churches are just made up of people that are spiritually mature, and they're okay with that. And in a church like this, there's not many messes, because you don't have people saying crazy things and doing crazy things, you know, because they're all at this point. And sometimes a church like this becomes very arrogant. The Apostle Paul says, knowledge puffs up. When you've got a church that's just gaining more and more knowledge, and yet not sharing it with somebody else, it tends to breed absolute Arrogance. And so that's not the model we want. My my friends, here's what I want to be. I want to be a part of a church where it's intergenerational. I want to be around some baby Christians that sometimes make me uncomfortable because they use bad words. I want to be around baby Christians who are still struggling with some of their addictions. I want to be around people in this church who sometimes make this church a mess because they're babies and that's okay. But I also know we've got to have people that are here and here, and we've got to have people that are mature that are investing in these baby Christians. And so, thank God, as you look across this audience today, you see all generations. And one thing we we need to facilitate as a church is the mixing of those generations. You know, we've been brainstorming lately how do we get some of our younger couples together with some of our more mature couples? Because that's the way we grow. So, guys, here's our great joy our great joy is that wherever you may be in this spectrum today, you don't get stuck. You don't get stuck here as a teenager. You're growing, I'm growing. It doesn't really matter where we are on the spectrum. What matters is that we are growing. And what God has done is he's put us together to help each other grow. Here's my point. If we're not helping each other grow up in Jesus, we are not fulfilling our mission. If if you and I are all stuck spiritually... As a baby or a toddler or a teenager, if you're just stuck, then, then, then somewhere we, we're, we're failing our job because we are here with great joy to help each other grow up. So let's talk just practically for a moment about how we help each other grow up in the Lord. And, and these are very basic, basic things that, that I want to remind you of. Uh, we, we call these the ABCs of landmark. You can see them on so many things that we do. Where does it start? It starts with adoring God. We grow up as we grow closer to Jesus through worship in the Word. There's something transformative about you coming in here and releasing your heart in corporate worship together. It changes us. It's not just something we're supposed to do. And as as we come here in the assembly, and and you go to the Bible classes, and, and we begin to dig deeper into the Word, it's powerful. And it's the way that we grow closer to Jesus. If our goal is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, worship and the Word are two components we cannot do without. Second is the B, which is belong. That you grow closer to Jesus through friendships and small groups. Well, God, if it was only about worship and the Word, then, then God could have told you just to go home and do it in your closet. And that would have been okay. But he knew we needed people more mature than us, less mature than us, that we all meet together and work together. And that's why we're so big on small groups. So excited about, about today. And getting back in our life groups. that have been on a, a long break. So excited about what happened on Wednesday nights and all of our ABC groups. Had a lot of new people up here. Now, I look at our Birmingham campus and and see the list of small groups, man. For a, a small church, man, they are doing small groups very, very well and have great leaders. And right from the beginning of that congregation, the DNA of that church is sold out to small groups the way it should be. And so, we want you to belong to a group of people where there's somebody who's rubbing you the right way. And you begin to grow. Now, 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 let me say this, guys, just because you meet in a small group doesn't mean you can grow. It's if you walk in there and you've got a purpose behind it, you know, just like coming to this assembly. If you don't come here to be challenged and changed and molded, it probably won't happen. If you go to your small group today or later this week and, and, and you're just going there just to goof off and just to, to sort of talk, um, let me, it's probably not going to happen. here's what what I yearn for. I yearn for when you walk in these doors back here, you anticipate the presence of God. You and I anticipate that God is going to do something in this assembly. It's not just a checklist. And when you go into your homes or classrooms for a small group, that you anticipate that God's going to use those relationships there, that you're going to actually build not just a friendship, but a spiritual friendship that will help you become more like Christ. And then care, the see is you grow closer to Jesus through ministry. There, there, there's a way that you encounter Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, when you encounter the least of these, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, when you visit the prison, Jesus says, you've encountered me. When you serve in our community, when you serve in our church, let me just say, guys, there's something there that happens that is that too is transformative in, in fact let me just stop here at, at, at c for a moment and say this i've never heard anybody tell me they were growing spiritually okay where they didn't mention at least one of these three things we've talked about it's just it's just the it, it is truly the abc's of Corporate spiritual growth. It's how we do it. Somebody's going to say, you know what? Man, my life was changed. I was in that worship service, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I'm different. Or I was in that Bible class, and my goodness, we got deeper in the Word, and I got a perspective I'd never heard about God's truth for my life. Or I made that friendship, you know, and I actually got a friend that we pray together once a week, and, and we don't just talk about football and the weather and politics. We talk about the Lord and actually hold each other accountable. And I was always scared of that, but that's, that's changed. Or I've gone down, you know, to that inner city place, and, and I've served the soup. Or I've worked in the classroom. Or I've served in the nursery. Or I've taught a class for the first time in my life, and you know what? The crazy thing is, is, man, I'm growing like never before. It's just unheard of for someone to say, I'm growing spiritually without some of these things being the components. And that's why we put it on the walls, and that's why we talk about it. Because we know these are those basic components of what we do together to help each other grow up. And then we we conclude it all with the D, which is disciple, which is to lead someone else into a growing relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about growing. When you begin to own this mission and you begin to seek and save the lost, you'll grow like you've never grown in your life. And so we, we begin to disciple. We, we, we grow from the point where I'm a spiritual infant, where everybody's got to invest in me and actually coddle me, and that's okay, to the point that I'm a spiritual parent, and I don't need you to coddle me. I need to be loving and serving and investing in somebody else. And so this, this disciple is such an important word. That's what Jesus has called us to do. That's where our mission comes from. It's just another way of putting that, leading someone else into a growing relationship with Jesus. I mean, the prayer at the beginning of this service, you thank God for your spiritual parents. The person who took, you the, took the time to, to invest in you, to love you, to teach the gospel to you, to take you to church, to make sure you were in a Bible class. That's awesome, isn't it? I love thinking about those people. I, there's so many in my life. Our challenge is, will we be that for somebody else? So let me leave you today with two questions about owning the mission. Number one, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned right now with where you are on the spectrum. We're all at different places. That's why God put us all together. The question is, are you making movement? Uh, the Christian life on this earth has is, is never been about perfection. There was only one perfect, that was Jesus. The Christian life on this earth is about direction. So, so I'm just asking you, wherever you are, are you growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you practicing the disciplines, both privately and as a church, that, that help us to grow into his image? Are you growing? L- l- let's say this. There is no such thing as standing still. There was an old writer named Cromwell who wrote, He who ceases to be better ceases to be good. You can't get to a point and say, I've made it. I'm okay right here. I'm just going to stop because you won't stop. You will slip. So my question is, are you growing, all right? I don't, it might be slow. Normally it is. It is for me anyway. might be just barely, you know, detectable, but, but you're, you're going in the right direction. Thank God for that. We, we celebrate every step we take forward. You know, sometimes we think, I cannot celebrate till I get perfect. No, we celebrate every step we take between infancy and parenthood. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two is, are you leading? Are you leading someone else into a growing relationship with Jesus? Who are you impacting? Who are you influencing? Who are you inviting? Who are you investing in? That's what I'm asking. Is there somebody who comes to your mind right now go, you know what? Man, I'm praying for this person. I met man, I want to lead him to the Lord. I'm working with this young Christian to help them mature I'm spending some time encouraging this person I know who's been slipping away from the faith. I mean, I, I am, I'm investing in somebody else. I'm asking you today, who are you leading into a growing relationship with Jesus? Now, I think our problem may be, the more I think about this, is that we have separated these two questions into are you growing and are you leading like they're separate. And so what's happened is... We in our churches have reduced a group of people who may think they're growing, but it's selfish. It's about me growing. It's about my knowledge. It's about what I've done. And listen to me, selfishness is still infancy. What's the difference in... Infancy and maturity is that you go from being a self-centered person who's always concerned about yourself to being a person who's other-centered, who's always concerned with other people. And if your spiritual growth is all focused on you and, and, and what happens to you, I think you've, you've missed. And that's why these two questions aren't separate questions, they really are together. Because if I'm growing into the likeness of Jesus, I am going to be influencing someone for Jesus. I love this large megachurch in America that got afraid about whether their people were growing or not. And they decided to boil it down to two questions. Two questions from Jesus. Here's it. Here it is. The two great commandments. Are our people loving God more and are they loving people more? And again, those two things are, are, are connected. My friends, I don't believe that you can come to love God and love Jesus more truly without that impacting the way you love other people, because you're being molded into the image of God. So, so these two questions belong together. And I ask you, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? And are you leading someone else? Now, here's what I want to say. We all lead in different ways, okay? And we all lead. Are the people around you in your home? Are the people around you in your office? Are the people around you in your work? Are they seeing Jesus in you? Or are, are, are you helping to show them a different way of life? You see, that's what it's about, guys, is us growing and us impacting and influencing and leading other people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You see, listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being a baby. Maybe there's some, somebody here today, and it's time for you to be born again. And it's time for you to come out of this water as a spiritual infant. And the expectations are you'll still make some messes, but God's grace is going to be sufficient to mold you. Uh, and, but, guys, yes, there's nothing wrong with me, but let's, there, there is something wrong with me and the rest of us who've remained spiritual, selfish infants. And our, our challenge today is to grow. And, and, and that, that is the great joy And I'm not saying this or even asking these questions to try to put you on some kind of guilt trip. That's not sufficient. I'm saying and asking this because I want you to experience the joy of growth. There's nothing more boring or more discouraging than a stagnant Christian life that's not impacting someone. There's nothing more joyful and fruitful than being a part of a growing Christian life that's changing other people's lives. There'll be no greater joy in your life, like John said. So today, please understand me as I ask these questions. I'm not asking or really concerned with where you are on the spectrum, or even if you haven't started. I'll never forget a one-on-one class a few years ago, and we had somebody in there that had a pretty tainted past, and Junior Bagwell was in there, and one of our shepherds, and, and this person was wanting to become a member, but they felt like their past was going to hold them back. And he, he just kept confessing to Junior all these things. He's like, "Like you don't really want me in this church. I've done this and this and this, and i got this kind of background. I'll never forget Junior Bagwell's statement to that person. Quite frankly, at Landmark, we're not worried about your past. We are worried about your Future. Amen? And today, as we sing this song, and maybe some of you need prayers, and some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Or some of you, you know, guys, you need to grow up. And, guys, you don't grow up by yourself. You're not going to do it by just being convicted by this sermon, saying, so I need to go grow. It's going to happen in the midst of relationships, and it can start right here on this front row. That I want you guys to pray for me that I would grow. Because, quite frankly, this morning, we're not worried about your past or even where you are right now. We're just worried about your future and my future and us growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we need to pray for you today, if you need this church in a public way today, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?